by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, thank you for worshiping today. Our attitude is to bow down and worship Him, to get our hearts right before Him. You know, if a thousand may fall on my left and ten thousand at my right hand, not coming nigh me. Nothing is going to dissuade me from doing what God has called me to do. And you know, if you look around and you think, well, people are falling away from the church, not just our church, but church in general. Well, God told us that would happen. And that's okay as a pruning so that we can grow more healthy. And the health starts with you, those who remain, those who are chosen, those who will refuse to give up on their faith. When, it, when everybody around them may be stumbling, you're going to be the lighthouse, leading people back to Jesus. So you ought to be excited about that. Did I ever tell y'all about when I killed my first deer? Probably about 10 times. I killed a deer. No. It, I was 11 years old. And I remember it like it was yesterday. My dad had, was in a little hunting club down there in Mississippi and and I had, we had hunted that morning, hadn't killed anything. I'd never killed a deer before. And uh, he said, I'll tell you what, we're going to go to this little patch of, of woods. It's 40 acres. And he began to, we pulled up to the, you know, to the woods. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He gave me details. Walk down the side. Slip real quiet. You know, do this, do that. When you get to the end of the corner, it was just a little square patch of woods, 40 acres. He said, I want you to walk in about 15 yards and then come out at the edge of the woods. And I want you to look, be looking down this way. He told me the direction to look and everything to do. He knew, he knew what he was doing. My dad was like a local legend in hunting. You know, he, I trusted dad. And he said, I want you to sit there and wait. And don't, don't you move an inch until you see me. And if you see horns, you shoot. Because back then, any horns was legal. Well, I waited, and I was 11 years old holding that big old shotgun with double alt buck in it, you know, just nervous. Pretty soon, I heard something through the woods. And I was, and I lifted that gun. I was looking down that tree line, and, and it was just an open field all the way around. And sure enough, I saw a deer head. And man, I, I almost, I started trembling. I was sweating, and I had that gun. I was trying to hold it still, and it was a little doe po poked her head out. Looked around like this. And she took off, and then she, she'd get about five or six yards out into the field, and then she'd take off running. Then the next one would come out. It was another doe. This went on for like five or six does. I'm about to have a heart attack here. Where's the buck? And then another one poked his little head out like this and looked down at me. I'm thinking, there's, there's no bucks in this group. But then he twitched his ears, and there was just two little horns about like that big. <laughs> and that's when I took the safety off. And I said, kaboom! And they all took off running across that field. I guess it was like 10 of them. And they just, it was a muddy field. And they, you could, they were just splashing across that field. And the one I shot took off running with them. And I'm like, and my heart sunk. And I began to try to think of what I'm going to tell daddy. I missed the deer. It was only like 30 yards down. Why do I tell this story? 
I don't know. <laughs> but we'll, we'll finish it later. Dad had a plan, but yet Dad's plan didn't work. It's Dad's fault, isn't it? <laughs> Today we're going to talk about faith. Are you a person of faith? I look around and I imagine everybody in here would say, oh yeah, I believe, I believe. But in the book of James, James says, I show you my faith by my works. So really, we should know whether you're a person of faith or not. You don't have to tell us because we see your good works. In other words, if you were tried in a court of law, and accused of faith, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Now, King Saul, y'all remember him, the first king? He showed us his lack of faith by his works because his, fa his faith and his works didn't line up. In 1 Samuel 13, we see the story that King Saul, he's a new king, and, and Israel hadn't come to prominence yet, and, and they still have some major enemies like the Philistines. And his son, Jonathan, uh, that was a man of faith. If you read the stories about Jonathan, Jonathan was a man of God. He was full of faith, and, and he defeated the Philistines in this little city. But he, what he did was he stirred up all the Philistines, and they were mad because they were used to bossing the Israelites around. So they gathered all their troops, and it says it was as many as the sand on the seashore. I'm talking about scary and King Saul, he's this new king, and he's only got a certain amount of men, so he sends message throughout all the land to come and help, and they all come and help, but when they see how big the Philistine army is, they get scared, and they begin to wander off. One by one, they're sneaking off and deserting the army, and Saul's sitting here watching this, but he's waiting because the, the priest Samuel had said, Wait for seven days, and on the seventh day, I'll be there. We'll make a sacrifice to God, and we'll listen to what God says to do. So he has his plans, right? Dad had given Saul plans for the victory. But man, on that seventh day, Saul's looking around. He said, I'm down to like 600 men. They're deserting me. And Saul and Samuel hadn't even shown up yet. So Samuel didn't get there right when he said... And Saul's thinking to himself, I got to do something. I got to act. God's late. Have you ever done that? Now, we like to make fun of Saul because, you know, he made some mistakes. But he was a man of war. He wasn't leaving himself. He wasn't, he wanted to fight. He was ready to get the job done. And maybe sometimes we do that. Rick, you got to cut that down, buddy. He's got, got the thing playing back here. Anyway, Saul wanted to fight. He wasn't a sissy. He was ready to get the job done. And sometimes I have been there. Have you ever been there? You know God tells you what to do, and you're waiting around. You're waiting on it to happen. It ain't happening. You're like, well, maybe I need to do something to make this happen. Sort of create an Ishmael along the way, don't we? We get ahead of God. We don't wait on God because we, we don't really 
trust God like we should. We think, I got to do something to make this happen. Well, sure enough, Saul says, we, we got to get, we, we can't wait on Samuel any longer. We can't wait on God. So he went in there and he performed the priestly duties. Now, the kings weren't supposed to perform the priestly duties. He made the sacrifice and, and did all the stuff that Samuel was supposed to do. And about the time he got through, guess what? Here comes Samuel, the priest. And in 1 Samuel 13, verse 10, it says, Just as Saul was finishing the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. And Saul went out to meet him and welcome him. But Samuel says, What is this you have done? Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me, and you didn't arrive when you said you would. How many of you know that God's timetable is always a little different from ours? We want him to arrive when we want him to. And the Philistines are at Michmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistine, he's making an excuse now. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal, and I even, I ain't even asked for the Lord's help. He's turning himself into something spiritual here. I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you come. Now, we often do that too, don't we? We justify doing it in the flesh. And we try to make the flesh seem spiritual. But how many of you know the flesh ain't got no, got no much spirit in it? So we see the story where Saul let his fear ruin his faith. He let impatience get the best of it. You know, faith without patience is dead too, <laughs> If you don't have the, the patience to wait for God to move, then you're in trouble. You're never, he's never going to move on your behalf. Part of the waiting is part of the faith. So Saul decided to walk by sight and not by faith. He looked at the situation on the ground. This is the way it is. We, we got to move. So he trusted the arm of the flesh. And he forgot that God goes before us in battle. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Man, it's easy to say that, like I said. But Saul was actually a very brave man. He wanted to do great things for God. But, you, but that's not, not, not everything that we do is in faith. And it's impossible to please God without... Anybody over there? Rick was quoting that this morning because we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So faith doesn't just go out and do its own thing. You, God gives you a promise, but he's not saying go make it happen. He's saying walk with me and watch it happen. Stay with me. Everything that God does is you and him together. You cannot get out ahead of God or it's not faith. Of course, you know, most people is the exact opposite. They ain't heard from God and they don't know what God's wanting to do. So they don't even know they're just doing their own thing. They're not, not even wanting to please God. Or knowing that they should want to please God. But today we're going to talk about you brave warriors who want to do the things of God. But we're going to talk about how to do it more efficiently. 
And some of you are saying, well, I'm glad you're preaching this, Pastor, because you sure need to learn all this stuff. <laughs> because I am one who wants to get it done, and I will at times move in the flesh because I'm ready. But God is dealing with me, so I'm dealing with you. Amen? Amen. Is that good? I wrote this. Many profess to believe God's word. They're the first to say amen on Sunday. Yet they never actually put those professed beliefs into action or even let them factor into the decisions that they make. When it comes down to it, their faith is not in God. They believe about God, but they don't believe in God. They make their decisions based on fear, what they can see with their eyes, and what they can accomplish with their own hands. Is that a true statement? You say, it's not me. I don't do all that. I think we all do to some degree. Because we're all growing in faith. Y'all help me today because I, I need some help. We're all growing in faith. When we do that, we stay in Haran. You say, what are you talking about now, Pastor? What is Haran? Well, you remember the story about Abraham. I think it's in Genesis 3 or somewhere in there. God came and, and Abram's 70-something years old. He's got all this livestock, all this wealth. He lives in Haran. He's got everything, comfortable life laid out. He's got his 401k in order. He's planning on retiring. He's had a good life. Him and his wife, Sarai, are just going to live it up. They're going to retire, and the future is taken care of for them. But God had a different plan. And he came and he said, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. Wait, what? How many knows that God isn't so interested in your comfort? And when it's all said and done and you've been in heaven a billion years, you're going to look back and wish you wouldn't have been so interested in your comfort too. He says, I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. I want to see you become a man of faith. Because the, the faith road goes up a hill where you can't see what's on the other side. He didn't even tell him where you were going. He just said, I'll be with you. The faith road, you don't know exactly where it's going. You just know that you got a promise from God, and you know that he will be with you. And that has to be enough for you. And you have to want it more than you want to stay in Haran. You have to want it more than you want the American dream if you're going to be a hero in the great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. If you want to be a man or a woman of faith, you're going to have to step out from Haran. Hebrews 11:8 says, "By faith, Abraham obeyed." Say obeyed. Amen. Doesn't say he just believed. Oh, yeah, God, I believe that you want to make me the father of many nations. Yeah, I'll just sit here and believe real hard. Sometimes we have faith in our faith, don't we? We've been taught that, you know. If I just sit here and work up my faith, God will do it. Hmm? By faith, Abraham obeyed 
when he was called to go out to the place that he would receive his inheritance. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going, it took trust. You see, if you were to put verbs to faith, you would say trust and obey. It's not enough just to believe. you got to believe enough to obey. It's more than just thinking something is true. The demons believe that there is a God and tremble. Maturing Christians are increasingly putting their beliefs into action. Are you growing in your faith? You'll have to answer that question for yourself. I would advise you to, to think about it. Are you... Because we're in a time where people are being lulled to sleep. Awake, O ye sleepers. Are we growing in our faith or are we falling asleep on the job? Are we being ever increasing to do what God said or are we just, oh, I believe, I got enough faith to get to heaven? Well, we're going to talk about what it takes to be a hero of faith. Some people will say, well, you faith people. I won't do anything I can't see with my own eyes. I can't hear with my ears and touch with my hands, my natural senses. See, they're natural brute beasts. They're just natural people. They don't have faith. And they say that we can't see because, because we, we just take everything like some magical something or another. Faith is not magical. Faith people see farther than the world people see. They only see to the grave. We see beyond the grave. We see farther. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. The joy was on the other side. Yeah. On the day that you and me would receive him and walk by faith and meet him in heaven one day. Hallelujah. That's the joy that caused him to be able to endure the great suffering of the cross. He saw further. Beyond the here and now. Past the cross and factored in the resurrection. He factored in that there would be a resurrection. And we must factor in that we too will be resurrected. And we will live forever in a place called heaven. And what we do here and now matters so much. Faith heroes see through the lens of heaven. I mean, if you don't, it's just like, well, we might as well eat, drink, and be merry and die. Because, because tomorrow we die, right? Might as well do like the world. They got nothing to live for. They got nobody to be held accountable to. But we do, and we know we do. And we know our hearts is burning within us to do, oh, here I am, God, send me. And your flesh says, no, don't get off the couch. <laughs> Give me another Oreo. <laughs> Hebrews 11.9 says, By faith, Abram dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country. He just took up and went on. He left all that he, that, that he had. Family and everybody except for Lot, and he made a mistake there. But he just took off and said, okay, 
at your word. How many things are you doing at his word these days? And he dwelt in the land of promise as, a foreign, as in a foreign country because he didn't possess it yet. He dwelt in tents with Isaac and Jacob, his children, his grandchildren, the heirs with him of the same promise. And do you know that you're heirs? According to the promise of Abraham, you are Abraham's heirs. You are heirs to the promise of faith. And you can do the same great things. For he waited for the city which has foundations and whose builder and maker is God. He was looking forward to pass the resurrection. Even if I don't get all that's promised here in my lifetime, I'll get it on the other side. Amen? He trusted God more than he trusted in the kingdoms of this world. I mean, the devil tried to push the kingdoms of this world off on Jesus. I'll give you all this, Jesus, if you'll just bow down and worship me. Jesus said, get behind me. That's not enough. The kingdoms of this world will crumble and fall. But the foundations upon which I'm building my life is the rock of Gibraltar that will never fail me. When the winds and the waves come, oh, I'm not, my house is not going to fall. Because I know in whom I have believed, and he is able to save me. Because he lives, I shall live also. And I shall live a resurrected life. Praise God forevermore. Get behind me. Look, somebody, don't look at your neighbor behind you, but look behind you and say, get behind me, Satan. He was doing good until the whole church called each other Satan, and then there was a, bar, a brawl <laughs> break out. <laughs> so faith heroes see through the lens of heaven. Come on, we're eternity-minded people. We cannot get bogged down in the here and now. And faith heroes learn to just be free. Where have I heard that from? Just be free. Guess what? The Lord gave me a song. And it's called Just Be Free. And I'm going to work on it with the guys this Tuesday. It's ministering to me already. I hope it will minister to you. God wants us to just be free. He's got to get us free before he can get us to the next level. I firmly believe that. And I know my responsibility is to be the first one to go. And I'm trying. I'm going to just be free. But faith heroes learn to just be free by putting all their weight on God. When they step out, they don't have to even see where they're stepping. If God said, go that way, that's where I'm stepping. And when I put my foot down, I'm going to put all my weight down because I ain't, ain't even concerned that he's not going to be there to hold me up. If I get out on the water and I begin to sink, I just say, Lord, save me. And there he is. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every time I, I think I'm failing, I'm just failing forward. I'm just learning a lesson. 
and getting stronger on the inside, bigger on the inside, able to handle more and more and more. And that's what God is doing in each one of your lives. If you would recognize the, the tribulations and the troubles you're going through, they're not just to beat you down, they're to make you stronger. What you're going through, the situations God has allowed because he trusts you in it. He trusts you to show others how to get through it. And that you're going to grow from it. And you're expanding your territory in Jesus' name. Hebrews 11, 11 says, by faith, Sarah. Now, this is a woman 70-something years old. has been barren her whole life. Never been able to have a child. But by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. What made her body strong? Faith. That he is faithful. He said it. I believe it. I'm going to stand on it. That settles it. If he said it, I believe it. Now, she didn't do this all at once. She had an Ishmael. She tried to use the arm of the flesh. She tried to walk by sight. But eventually she gave in and said, He is who he says he is. And her body received strength to conceive a seed. And that's what faith is, a seed. A seed planted in your heart. And if you'll water it, by faith, you'll begin to see a harvest in your life. Oh, the promises of God. Yes and amen. He says yes, but you've got to say amen. Are you saying amen to what God says in your life? Are you doing it by faith? She judged him faithful. And faith is only as good as the one you place your faith in. If that guy told me he's going to mow my yard at 1030 on Tuesday, but I know he's a crackhead, <laughs> and he don't have a lawnmower, and he wants the money up front, I don't have a lot of faith. But if he's proven himself time and time again, if he's never let me down. And even though I don't understand his timetable sometimes, it always works out perfect. And I can look back and say, oh, he's been mighty good to me. I'll trust him with my life. Faith is only as good as the one you put your trust in, your faith in. And no wonder it's impossible to please God without faith. Because when you say, well... God said this, but I just can't believe for it. You're impugning his character. You're saying he's not trustworthy. I don't believe he's as big as he, he, he acts like he is. Or he can do what he says he can do. You're calling God a liar. When you see the promises of God and you don't hold on to them and believe for them. And you just say, well, this is just the way it is. All of us have this disease, or all of us are 
you know, poor, and my whole family's been like this. It's a, you're believing in generational curses more than you're trusting in God. That's a scary thought. Be honest. Where does your faith lie right now? If it didn't, if I've been stepping on your toes a lot, that's fine. That's why I'm here. You're welcome. I got boots on today. Come on up. Mm. Where does your trust lie? Really? This is a hard thing to ask. So I don't know how to tell. I, I think I'm believing God. Uh, one way the Bible says is where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Have you checked your checkbook? Where does your faith lie? What do you spend your money on? What's important to you? How many things, how many curses of the law are you still living under and saying, well, that's just the way it is? Well, you know, my back's been hurting for a long time. God just ain't going to do nothing about that. Or this or that. What? I'm, I've always been poor. I don't speak well. Or God can't use me because, you know, my past. And what, what? Didn't he say that he's forgiven your sins? Why are you still bringing it up? Is your trust more in your sins than it is in God? Is he not able to cleanse you of your sins? Your sins are just better and more special than everybody else's? Are you trusting in the world system? Man, I'm just holding on. A couple more years, I'm going to retire. And I won't even have to think about this faith stuff. I'll be sitting on easy street. I've got, I'm going to build bigger barns. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Trusting in this world system. Trusting in a politician. There's more pe there are more people will show up to a Donald Trump rally right now than will show up for church on Sunday morning. I ain't got nothing against Donald Trump. I think he helped save this nation. He was there. I think God used him for a season to keep us from going directly in the toilet. And I appreciate what he's done, but he's not the Savior. And if we got our eyes on a politician, whether it's Democrat, Republican, or Independent, or whatever they are, then we've lost sight of the kingdom of God, which we are ambassadors for. And I made the whole church man talking about Donald Trump. <laughs> well, I, I was believing him there for a minute there. You don't talk about Trump. I didn't say nothing bad about Trump. Do you hear me? <clears throat> but I choose to believe that it's my God that's going to get me across. Amen. That I need to keep my focus on Jesus in this time. We're going we're gonna to see these banners come to pass. We're going to have to keep our eyes on Jesus. And that's, you know, 
in Genesis, it says, as long as the earth remains, there's seed, time, and harvest. And God planted a seed here at Passion Church. He gave us some very special promises and very special instructions of what he wants us to carry out. And we planted that seed. We wrote the vision. We made it plain. And we got all excited about it as we planted it in the, in the ground of our hearts. And we have done our best to water that seed. But I believe we're in no longer in the planting phase. We have put the processes in place. If, if there was 200 people come to this church in the next couple of months, there's processes within this church that we would be able to, to sustain the growth. God has us ready for the harvest. You say, but I see things going the wrong way. Churches all over are losing people. They're going the opposite way. No matter. I choose to believe what the banners say. What God told us. And I believe we're in the season of time. We've planted the seed. Now we're waiting for the harvest to begin to grow. First a little blade comes up, pokes his head through the surface, and then and grows, and it takes time. The farmer doesn't know how, but he doesn't stop believing that it's going to happen because he planted the seed and he trusts in the seed. So, we're back to patience again. Somewhere along the way, we've got to keep stirring ourselves up, keep watering the seed in your heart. Do you believe you're part of this? You are. If you don't know, you are. You're a part of what God's trying to do here. He's building his kingdom and you're a part of this church. You're a living stone and you're a part of what God's vision is for this church. But we've gone through COVID. We've gone through setback after setback. We've gone through hard times. But we have to stir ourselves up and keep watering the seed and Building, stirring up our most holy faith. You understand what I'm saying? Have you stopped inviting people to church? Well, this is just the new way church is. People don't come no more. I used to invite them. They don't come, so I stopped inviting. Is that our attitude? Well, I don't give as much as I used to because the economy. Oh, the, the, the world's economy is your God. I'm stirring myself up, people. I will not let these banners fall off the wall. I saw Brother Terry get some tape out and tape that, that thing back on that banner. These banners need tending. They need tending with our prayers, with our faith. And we're still in this together. And God has chosen you. You are the one called for such a time as this, for such a thing as this. And I'm trying to stir myself up so I can help stir you up. And when I get low, you guys have stirred me up, and I appreciate you. Angie appreciates you. We're going to see this through. I don't believe it'll be long before the little leaves start poking up through the ground. And then the kernels and the corn and the fruit begins to appear. And you'll be able to say, look what God has done. Praise God. Seed time and then the harvest. We're getting there. We're getting there. 
Sometimes it seems that God makes it look like it's never going to happen, that it's impossible to happen, and then he shows up and hits the home run. That's the way he does things. And it's all just a test to see how true we will remain and how steadfast that we will do what God has asked of us. And anything that he's asked of you, you're perfectly capable of doing, right? He'll give you even the, the strength to do it. But back to the story of Saul. He trusted in the arm of the flesh. He tried to do the burnt offering himself. He got outside of his lane just trying to make it happen. I'm just going to bull my way through and we're going to win this battle. In 1 Samuel 13, 13, Samuel said, How foolish! You have not committed kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Say, would have. Do you want to go to your grave? Man, just thinking God would have. God would have. Do you want to get on the other side? And hear God say, I would have established your kingdom forever. But you were like Saul. Saul didn't trust me, so I couldn't trust Saul. God wants to establish something here. In your personal life and in this church. And you know, I don't think all the... The heroes of faith in chapter, or in chapter 11 of Hebrews. I think there's some in this room today whose names are yet to be written among the heroes of faith. So let's recap. I'm about to close. Let's recap real quick. See if we qualify as heroes of faith, all right? Heroes listen for God's voice. Like Hursty said, here's God's voice. And they're listening, they're praying, because without a clear direction, we don't know what to believe. So they listen for God's voice, and when they hear, they trust and obey. Even when the obeying doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, that's no way. I mean, that, that, that's certainly, God's mistaken. God doesn't make mistakes. One time I was sitting in a parking lot, and I was freshly saved, and I was sitting in a parking lot, and I looked over, and there was a, a playground over there. And uh, there was a ladder going up to the, the little slide thing. Just as sure as I'm sitting here, I heard in my heart, go take that ladder down. And I sat there and argued for 30 minutes. I was waiting on somebody to come out or whatever. And I waited, and I, I kept hearing it, kept hearing it. Finally, I got out of the car, went over there. There was nobody on the playground. I, I, got the, I got the ladder, and it wasn't connected to the slide. It was leaning on it. So I laid it down. Went back, got in the truck. And you know what happened? I don't even know. <laughs> I have no idea. But I want you to know, to this day, I am glad that I did what I was prompted to do, even if I don't know the outcome. Even if it didn't make sense to my natural mind. I don't know why, 
But we must do what God says. We must be patient and wait if we're going to be heroes of faith. We must see further up the road. We must be heavenly minded. We must look past the resurrection through the lens of heaven, thinking eternally minded. We must leave the land of Haran for the promised land. We must learn to live truly free. Not by sight, not by the arm of the flesh. We put all our weight on God because we trust. We believe. We know that He is able to hold us up. And His word is true. I, thought, I saw this scripture and I said, this is, this is the life of a hero of faith. 1 Peter 1.8 And you know you don't get there overnight. Look at Peter's life. He can write this because he's made enough mistakes to learn. He says, you love him. Oh, and I do. Do you? You love him although you've not seen him. And you believe in him although you do not see him now. So you rejoice with great and glorious joy, which is the strength of the Lord. Which words cannot express, because you are receiving the salvation of your souls, which is the purpose of your faith in Him. You see, there's a sanctification process going on in your life right now. God is purifying you. He is setting you apart for His purposes in this life. And there is an end to your faith. There is, a, there is results. There is fruit coming. There is a harvest planted. And will soon... Poke its little head up through the ground of your heart. Why did I tell you all that dear story? I forgot. Y'all remember? What was it? I, I had shot at the deer and it ran off and they were running across this big muddy field. And I was sitting there about to cry. Well, I'm going to tell daddy. I mean, I was really sweating. And I was already making up lies in my head. Because daddy had told me what to do, and I must have missed the shot. I don't even know why I didn't take a second shot. I just was surprised he kept running. And I was sitting there, and I was about to cry, and I looked out at them deer, and there was tears welling up my eyes, and I saw them just going across that mud, and all of a sudden I saw a big splash out there. And I looked, and that deer I shot had fallen about 75 yards out in that muddy field. Well, I tell you what, I took off running. I don't know if I had put the safety back on my gun or not, but I was running out, and that mud was thick, you know, and I was in these big old boots, and uh, every time I'd take a step, it would get stuck in there, but I kept on going, and both boots popped off. And I was in my sock feet, and pretty soon my socks was hanging this far off, and I was flapping across that field like propellers. And I was going, and nothing was stopping me. I looked back, and I saw my daddy breaking the tree line. He was coming through there. He had pushed that deer, those deer across me. And he saw that deer out there. He took off running. And I was shouting and he was shouting. And I got to that deer and I was just jumping around that deer. Woohoo! And daddy came down. And I, my daddy's very reserved. He never did, showed much emotion. Daddy got there and he started. Woohoo! And me and daddy was high-fiving. And he hugged me. And he said, I'm so proud of you. And it was a, mem it was a memory to ever be etched in my mind. The moment that I got to hug daddy and daddy tell me he's proud of me. Because daddy had told me exactly what to do. 
And for a moment there, I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought I had failed God. I thought I had failed my daddy. But nope, I had to have faith. And, I, and, and what he said came to pass. And that's the way it's going to be when we get to heaven. We're going to jump and run with Jesus around every lost soul we have brought into the kingdom of God. And every harvest and every treasure that we had saved up in heaven is going to be given to us. And we're going to, we're going to say, oh, I'm so thankful that I trusted my, my father. So thankful that I did exactly what he said to do because his plan was right all along. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he knows exactly what he's doing in your life. Don't doubt him. Stand to your feet if you would, if you're able. Let's make a proclamation of faith together. Whew. Say, God, I am a person of faith. I trust you, and I will obey you. I'll do what you send me to do. Forgive me. If I've lost sight of the seed you planted in my heart, I am stirring myself up today. I will be obedient to the word of the Lord in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.